Here it comes, the latest people, trends, and news on sustainable living in and around our corner of the country. Down to Earth with Mrs. Green, Spotlight on the Southwest. And now, Mrs. Green. Welcome, everybody. You are indeed listening to Down to Earth with Mrs. Green. We're going to put a fabulous spotlight on the Southwest for this show. I am Gina Murphy-Darling, and as always, I thank you for listening and for being a part of Mrs. Green's world. Without you, there would be no us, so thank you for being a part of our world. And I'd also like to thank the sponsor of our show today, Tucson Medical Center. It's a very valued and special partnership for us. And their support of the Mrs. Green's World mission and vision is just one of the literally hundreds of examples of how TMC celebrates and supports organizations and people who are aligned with their mission and their values. Their name is on so many things as I go about the community for events and wellness and sponsorships. They are there on the ground with all of us that really appreciate their support. And they go the extra mile. And I just want to take a minute to talk about this case in point. um, I believe it was Julia Strange who put together an effort to organize a town hall meeting around health care. And she did it in less than a week. And I'm so not kidding. It was before the big vote started. And she put together a top-notch panel of experts from around the state literally to speaking to a standing room only crowd in a week in Tucson. That's epic. And it provided all of us in attendance with substantive information about what the repeal of the Affordable Care Act would mean in our lives. And it was it was not political. Um, Judy Rich stood up and said, there will be no signs. This is not a political rally. Very clear about what the roles were. And it was information. It was really good information so that whatever your stand might be on the Affordable Care Act, you could make a very conscious and informed decision. So they're responsive and timely and not typical for large institutions. To pull that together, um, there's the freedom of the management staff to have things like this happen. So thank you. Um, They know, TMC knows that they have been entrusted with the legacy of caring for the most vulnerable of our populations, the elderly and the sick and kids and all that. And they continue the tradition of improving the lives uh, and the health and wellness of everybody here in Southern Arizona. So there, that's a, a big, long thank you. But I want to welcome our guest today. Today we're going to be talking about how TMC creates safe, supportive environments for the smallest of patients, for the youngest in our community, our future. Children are the only future we'll ever have. So joining me in studio for the next 30 minutes are Amy. And Amy, I didn't ask you, is it Fragonese? Is it Italian? It's Fragonese. It is Italian. Fragonese. Yes. Fragonese. <laughs> I married into that one. Glad so. you have. So Fragonese, <laughs> everybody got that. And But maybe in Italian they say it, Fragonese. Yes, that's <laughs> what we like to believe. I'm just going to make believe that I made that up and it sounded so good. And Jordan Richardson, they are child life specialists at TMC. Welcome, both of you, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having yeah, thank us. Thank you. You're doing important work. So this is not a, okay, Jordan, you take this one, and Amy, you take this one. But how would you both answer a general overview of child life at, at TMC? What is it? Um, where do you work? And what does it take to become a CSL? Okay. CLS. CLS. I have it right, and I said it wrong. <laughs> 
child life specialist. I just said it. Okay, who wants to field the first part? Um, okay, so I'll start. So um, I'm Jordan, and I work in our general pediatrics and our intensive care unit on the inpatient floors. Um, I started with TMC about almost about a year and a half ago now, and um, I actually moved from Madison, Wisconsin for the job down here, um, which I was very excited about, nervous, every emotion you can imagine. But you know, That's quite a change yes. in uh, scenery and temperature. Right? Yes, <laughs> definitely in temperature, definitely. Going to the desert, I'm going to fry. <laughs> yes, so when I came down, um, I knew TMC was a community hospital, and I was really excited for that um, because it really shows uh, especially in our pediatric unit, I see it all the time. Um, being a child life specialist in our pediatric unit, uh, my day varies every single day. And I think that's a big part of the reason I love my job so much. It's never the same. Um, I go from maybe educating a child who is just recently diagnosed with diabetes or um, prepping a child for an IV that they're going to get for the first time that might be really scary. Um, or on the other side of things, it might be, unfortunately, a 17-year-old birthday party that day, and they didn't plan to be in the hospital, but we kind of tried to be there to help them celebrate that the best way that they can while they're in the hospital. Just So just trying to make the hospital as normal as possible, um, as less scary as possible. Uh, those are our goals each and every day when we work with these children and families. You know, it's kind of strange because even though a lot of people are in the hospital to get better, it, you get angst when you go to the hospital because it's a place that just is intimidating and big. And I know I've toured the facility, and it's you want to stay there and play. I mean, that that's kind of the feeling. So, Amy, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Um, Jordan talked about how she works on the inpatient units, and I spend my time in the outpatient unit of surgery. And so all of the kids that I see are there for either a surgery um, that's outpatient, so they'll be going home the same day, or a surgery where they'll be admitted afterwards. Um, so, you know, my job's similar to Jordan's, but it's a little bit different in that my whole focus is preparing kids for um, this big surgery event that they're going to be experiencing. So um, I meet them when they come in, uh, do, you know, a quick kind of informal assessment to see where they're at, how they're understanding things and how they're coping. And then I talk to them and their families about what to expect, um, who they're going to meet, what they're going to see, where they're going to be. Um, we have pictures that we show them of, you know, the things they're going to see. And then we're there to provide support during procedures. Um, like Jordan said, you know, if they have to get an IV before surgery or if they're going to be using a mask to go to sleep, um, we talk about all of those things and then I'm there to support them through those, you know, often difficult times. Um, so in general, though, as child life specialists, you know, our job is really to help kids and teenagers and families, including siblings, um, you know, cope with these stressful experiences that they have in the hospital. So, um, you know, we've both given examples of how we do that through preparation and education and procedural support. Um, but a lot of our job is just normalizing the hospital experience. So, um, you know, making kids feel like kids, even though they have to be, you know, in the hospital going through this thing that's just not fun. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I was in the hospital as a kid, and it wasn't the days when you're, there were visiting hours. They were strict visiting hours. I had never, ever slept in a room without my sister. And it was traumatic. And guess who made it work? The nurses. It was the nurses. They didn't have child life specialists back then, trust me. Um, but that's what 
I remember, so that I was traumatized when my parents left, but the care of taking care of kids and knowing how terrified I was, and I was in for two weeks, and it was like, wow, I got in trouble, of course, a lot of times, <laughs> but they, they still loved me. What I, I'm very interested, because you mentioned, um, Jordan, you mentioned juvenile diabetes. Yes. diabetes. For both of your experiences, are you seeing any types of, like, what's trending? Are there things that are troubling to you? I know juvenile diabetes is epidemic, and that's really sad. It's, you know, you see the the autism and juvenile diabetes lines going up in any study I read. What has been your experience? Are there things that you're seeing that are troublesome, or do you see a lot of, you know, a tonsillectomy and normal things that kids go to the hospital for? Do you have a thought on that? Um, I would definitely say I've seen quite a few juvenile diabetes cases. Um, also a lot of asthma. That's become a huge, oh huge goodness. thing that I work with. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for saying that. And I'm sorry to get so excited. But <laughs> one of our other partners is um, Russet Southwest. And they have a Healthy Homes program because they are finding and they are aggressively getting the word out about this that a lot of kids are getting sick from what's in the home. And everybody yeah. says, oh, mold. I'm like, no, it's not just mold. It's bacteria. It's toxins. It's pesticides. And we're going to have a show in a couple of weeks where a woman moved into a new house and her daughter started getting sick and finally got allergies and it was turning into asthma and it was stuff in their home. She had everything you could think of wrong that lied beneath. So that's interesting to me that you mentioned that. And I want to do more on educating people about upper respiratory disease. Thank you, Jordan, for saying that. Now, what does it take to be a child life specialist in terms of like education? That's the first part of the question. And the second part of the question, you have tough jobs every day and I couldn't do it. So do they give you special training and how do you take care of yourselves? So is that a two part question or three? First part is <laughs> child life specialist. How, what's the training requirements for that? So all of uh, the child life specialists around the country and around the world, really, because we do have child life um, in you know different parts of the world, um, we all have to have, at this point, a bachelor's degree. Um, very soon that will be changing to a master's degree. So they will be requiring wow. a master's degree. Um, and really, you know, we love this question because I think lots of people look at us and think, oh my gosh, that's so fun. You know, I want to join you and do I what you do. I did not think and, that at all um, when I was preparing yeah, for the it's, show. It's really You're a, on the firing line. <laughs> it's really oh. a long road to becoming a child life specialist. And, um, you know, we're working in healthcare, which we're surrounded by people who have extensive training in, um, you know, surgery or anesthesia or working with kids and they've got these residencies and fellowships. And so really for us to have these advanced degrees um, puts us on the same playing field as them. And I think that, you know, we feel really respected by them and, and we feel like we're with them because, you know, this isn't just something that you can say, I want to do that and start tomorrow. Um I think a lot of people look at our job as, you know, we're volunteers or we're just paid to play. Um, and that's They're definitely not part of it. hard enough. <laughs> I picked it right up from the show notes. I'm like, oh my gosh, every day they have to go and face <laughs> sick children and their families. Yes. High anxiety so every day. We do have education. Um, 
the other part that we have to do is everybody completes an internship, which is 480 hours of clinical time with a child life specialist. And so that's really where you learn the meat and bones of providing procedural support and preparation and learning, you know, what procedures you're going to see and how to teach kids coping skills. So that's really where you learn the day-to-day of the job. Um, And then um, after your internship is finished, then you sit for a national certification exam. And once that's done and you've passed that, then you are a certified child life specialist. Wow. Wow. Uh, It's rigorous. Yeah. And Amy talks about the internship. And I think one thing that we could even add to that is to even get to that internship point, there's a lot Um, you have to put in usually at least 100 hours of volunteering in a child life program. Um, A lot of students will do what are called practicums where they're shadowing for so many weeks. Um, Internship coordinators look at things like, have you volunteered with children with special needs? Because we do see a lot of children with special needs in the hospital, and that is something that they're going to be encountering as a child life specialist. So to even get to that internship part of it, which are very competitive, you have to do a lot to build up that resume while you're taking this degree um, that Amy was talking about. So you're really in good hands when you go to TMC and have a, a, a child life specialist. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, that's good. And I, I wish I could pull it up out of my brain, but I can't. I have to, you know, research and reread everything. But I know that in the past week, someone was talking to me about how having people like you, and they didn't say child life specialists at TMC, but the caregivers in a hospital, the real caregivers impact the outcomes significantly. If you have nice people and they're caring about you and making you feel safe in your environment, you're going into it with an intention to heal instead of having more stress. And that's not always the case. I mean, I haven't been in the hospital much, but boy, does it make a difference. And having someone, you know, be a champion for you. What about the last part of that is, what do you do to take care of yourselves? And I know TMC offers a lot. There's exercise classes and on and on and on. But what do you two personally do that you want to share on the air to take care of yourselves? (laughs) I think one of the things we talk a lot about at TMC is that we have such an amazing child life team. Um, We have a supervisor who really supports us. And then we have each other. And so we have an office that's, you know, behind a closed door and Oftentimes we go in there to ask each other for advice about a certain patient that we might be struggling with, or um, maybe we just have a, had a really difficult interaction, um, you know, supporting a child whose father's dying on the adult unit. And, you know, it kind of maybe brings up something from our past or, you know, just it was just a really hard experience. And so we can go into the office and you know, vent or cry or, you know, just lean on each other for support. And so that's something that we've all talked about. You know, I think it keeps us coming to work every day. um, And it just makes it so much more fulfilling for us to do our jobs, to have each other, to support each other. And it makes so much sense. It's not like you can go on vacation because you go on vacation and then you come back, it's the same firing line. Mm -hmm. So it has to be, that's a great answer. It's the daily support that keeps you coming back and makes you um, function in your job. What about you, Jordan? Do you want to add anything to yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I think Amy's exactly right. We really use each other. And I think we're very lucky at TMC that we have such a close child life team. I don't think that's always the case. So we're very lucky in that point. And I think, too, just with any job, um, self-care is huge, uh, whether that's 
going on a hike or working out or sitting and watching a movie, um, doing those or things. Or going for wine with exactly. a girlfriend. Let's throw that in. <laughs> I mean, Red wine. for throwing that it's in. It's good yeah. for your heart. <laughs> yeah, but self-care is very important um, for you and your patients, really. Yes, because it begins here. Well, and I'd like to add, um, I think we're taught a lot you know, through our schooling and through our internships about self-care, but also self-reflection. And I think we're constantly, you know, looking at ourselves and saying, okay, you know, today was really rough and I feel like maybe I'm getting burnt out and kind of recognizing that feeling in ourselves. I know, um, you know, I've been a child life specialist for about six years. And the first two years, I was at a different hospital and part of a team um, that we were just not Um, we didn't have enough staffing. And so we were constantly feeling like our day was just spent, you know, running and running and running. And I ended up working in the um, hematology oncology unit and the pediatric intensive care unit. And every day I would go home and just think about my patients and worry about the next day. And I realized that that just wasn't good for me. I wasn't providing... Exactly. And I wasn't providing good support for my patients and families. And so I moved to an outpatient unit, which I love. Um, So I think, you know, there's a niche that you find when you're a child life specialist. And so I think just kind of always checking in with with yourself and um, looking for, you know, the right place for you and and you found it. You yeah. both found it. I could tell from when you walked in. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is really going to be fun and informative. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a thing that I can do now when guests walk in. It's like, this is going to be a fun show, and it's going to go really fast. So not necessarily what you do, but in terms of creating that safe environment and creating a kid-friendly environment, can you give us some ideas about what you do to make to, to provide that welcoming, friendly environment and then what you do to maintain it once the kids are in. Because there has to, I, I've been there, I'm being honest. It's not like this is a stump, the, the guest question. You just walk in there, and it doesn't feel like a hospital with long hallways and rooms. I mean, there's, there's a very serious fun factor. Well, and I think that, like you just said, um, you know, you walk in and you already feel like you're on a pediatric unit. And so I think one of the... Um, one of the easiest things is really just to change the environment. So, you know, adding paint to the walls and art that the kids have made and, um, you know, child-sized furniture and toys and activities um, can really go a long way to making kids feel like this is a place where I'm meant to be um, and not just, you know, an adult hospital and I'm visiting another doctor and, right. oh, here we go again, really you know. matters to kids and there's room to play. Yeah. There's playrooms. <laughs> it's like, how do you get the kids out of there? I mean, it, it matters because that's what kids do. So really very mean, meaningfully and mindfully creating that atmosphere of color and interaction and the kid-sized furniture. Can't mention that enough. Even, you know, in schools, it's important that they're kid-sized toilets. I mean, things like that are just take away the intimidation factor, I think. Okay, so what about... Um, I know some of the services you provide. What is normalization? What does that mean? Do you know? Do you have a good ex- Yes, Jordan? Yeah. Tell I would, me what that means. I would say just kind of like Amy was saying, we try to make you know the hospital as normal as possible for um, kids, their siblings, and their families. And what we mean by that is it shouldn't be much different from your daily lives. So we try to do things, for example, around the holidays. December is called our crazy month. Right. Um, Santa comes, we do parties, um, we have family dinners when we can, just those things that can just provide that, you know, normalization of being in the hospital that you would have at home. 
Um, I think we do that too by trying to have TMC now has single rooms for each child and family. And that's huge. That hasn't always been a thing. It's huge. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a hard, you know, when you don't sleep in your own bed at night, that's already a challenge. And then if you were sharing a room, that becomes more of a challenge. So I think we're really lucky in that aspect that we have such a family-centered care practice at TMC um, that it allows us to do our job even better and have that normalization in the hospital. Right. What about um, when it comes to, you know, the, the saddest part of it is like grief and bereavement services. Is that a function or a, a responsibility that you as child life specialist has to deal with families when the outcome is not what everybody was praying and hoping for? Definitely. Um, there is a team approach to, you know, grief and bereavement as there is to anything in the hospital. Um, but we're a big part of that team. And I think, you know, thankfully at TMC, we don't do a whole lot of bereavement for pediatric patients, but we do get called to the adult units a lot um, to support children who are losing parents or grandparents. Got it. And so, you know, we really try to, like Jordan mentored with family-centered care, you know, we really want to make sure that everybody's understanding what's happening on, or what's happening, um, whether it be the patient or, you know, kids of a patient or siblings, brothers and sisters. And so we, you know, want them to understand why, you know, their loved one is dying and what what dying means. I mean, kids at develop, different developmental levels understand death very differently. And so, you know, we might be talking to a four-year-old who thinks that, um, you know, their grandpa is dying, but he's going to come back tomorrow. And so, you know, using really simple and concrete terms to explain, you know, what death is and what that means. And then we do a lot of memory making and legacy building activities. Um, so what do you mean by that memory? So making? we really like want it. families when they leave the hospital um, and they've had a loved one die to be able to have positive memories of that experience and of the person that they've lost. And so um, one of the main things that we do quite a bit is handprints. So we'll do handprints of the person who's dying. That's um, awesome. We'll do locks of hair, um, really whatever kids can think of. I mean, we've done handprints and footprints. You know, we've had kids do handprints on top of, you know, their grandparents' handprint who's dying. And then for kids, um, as far as legacy building, that can really start, it doesn't have to be during you know, an end of life situation that can start at any time. Um, but, you know, for a, for a kid who, you know, might have a chronic illness or might be dying, what do they want to leave behind? So that could be, you know, a music video or it could be, you know, some, a book of poems or a scrapbook, um, something that they can work on to, you know, really just show the world, you know, I was here and this is the mark that I made. So. And, you know, it's not just wonderful and intentional and meaningful. It's also a good way to keep their mind off things. That's part of it, where they're not fretting and constantly having angst, but being involved, involved in an activity. Yes. And it's really interesting to, you know, like you talk about self-reflection. When I'm upset, I start cleaning I start picking things up, but it's it's because it's the distraction. I need to do something to get my mind off this. So that's that's the magic of the of the services you provide. Jordan, did you want to answer add anything to that? I think you know. I think Amy hit it um, right on the head with everything she said and the memory making. I would say that you know, no, no two cases have ever been the same. Um, every child, every family deals with death and grief differently. And we really have to be flexible to that. Um, you know, there's different cultures and religions, and we have to take all that into consideration when we're working with these families. And really, I mean, we couldn't do it without the families because 
they're there to tell us, you know, what their beliefs are, what what their kid thinks is happening. And, um, you know, I try to do things like, you know, let's make, let's make a picture of your favorite memory with your grandma and let's go hanging above her bed in the hospital. Um, things like that, just like Amy said, you know, making those memories, making, um, showing that importance of that person in the child's life. Um, really gives the them, healing and the remembering. Yes, it gives them, them a sense of empowerment. You're starting them on the path to healing. Well, and kids really want to be included. And I think oftentimes as parents, we want to shield kids from anything that makes them feel pain or hurt or sadness. Um, and so we're kind of there to tell parents, you know, it's okay to involve your child. Let us help you and find the right way to do that. And so I think that kids, you know, they end up having a more positive experience because they were included, um, which I think goes against a lot of people's beliefs. And I'll add to that. I think oftentimes, I know this sounds so weird, but... We a, like weird on this show, so <laughs> you let her rip. A bereavement, um, a bereavement can be really beautiful um, if it's done right and in a supportive environment. And I think that, you know, I think Jordan would say also that we've, we've all been part of beautiful bereavements in the sense that, you know, the family feels supported and they feel like, you know, I obviously don't want my loved one to die, but if they're going to die, this is how I would want it what to be. What a wonderful thing to share. I mean, that really matters. It does a lot. I don't think it's weird at all. It's great to how to do it so that the best possible scenario is put in place. So I think it's wonderful that you shared that. What about um, TMC? One of the things I love many things about them, and that's very sincere on my part, but what about do you do things like prevention? Because to me, TMC is not about sickness. It's about wellness and prevention. And they do do great jobs with people who are sick because we have sick people. But their focus is always, even with those patients, how to get them well and keep them well. So what about prevention things for the community? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I know one big event that we do each year is called Be Safe Saturday. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yes. It's a big deal. It's a huge event. <laughs> And thousands of people come. Tim has told me about that. My friend Tim is like, oh, my gosh. And I haven't made it yet, but I'd love to just go and see what it's all about. So that's a good one. And then you have, I think you have, don't you have a teddy bear clinic? We do. And, um, you know, I think the teddy bear clinic is amazing because it brings kids into the hospital um, before they actually have to be patients in the hospital. And so these kids get to come in as, you know, kindergartners and first graders. And we have a bunch of stations set up. Um, so they're able to, you know, register as if their teddy bear were a patient. Um, they go to x-ray, they go to um, do breathing treatments, they go uh, to do casting. And so it's a lot of the things that kids may see when they come to the hospital. And as child life specialists, we like that because we feel like, um, you know, if we can touch these kids before they have an experience at the hospital that might be a little bit scary or a little bit negative, um, that they're going to cope better when they have to come to the hospital. And so we find kids who, you know, maybe visit the emergency department and, you know, they broke their bone and they have to get a cast. And they're like, I remember doing this to my teddy bear at Teddy Bear Clinic. And so we feel like that's a really great activity for kids to, you know, come into the hospital, see that it's not such a scary place and that we're really here to help. And that, you know, it can be fun too. And so. are teddy bears literally involved? Teddy bears are involved. Teddy bears, I've seen dinosaurs. That makes everybody happy. A yeah. teddy bear, I still <laughs> hug them when I see them in the store. Everybody loves that. Okay, that's really a great answer, you guys. Really great. So what about 
another thing, an observation about TMC that blows me away. It's like artists contribute artwork and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh. This cannot be so quickly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you use volunteers? Always donors. It's a difference in a community hospital. So do volunteers help? Yes, we could not do our job without volunteers and with community donors. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think that, you know, around the holidays is a time when, you know, that's the best time to donate toys. But we have donors, vo we have donors who are donating toys throughout the year. Um, those toys are used for our toy closet on the unit, which is a prize closet for kids who have to have painful <coughs> procedures. Um, we also have donors who donate quilts and hats for the littlest babies in the NICU. Um, I know in my area, oh. we have people who donate um kid-friendly surgery hats and so they're of different prints and the kids you know go back looking like strawberry shortcake when it's time to go to sleep and it's just the All cutest thing and they love it um, and that's donors and volunteers donors and volunteers okay so in the minute we have left now am i i'm, I'm asking you this on air did this time fly so fast yes. so fast <laughs> i want i want to go on record because i'm always the one that says that and yeah. i'm like what are you talking about we have one minute anyway this was wonderful and i thank both of you it was a delightful show for me as well i'm always learning new things and everybody you can find just google tmc and you'll find everything for their uh, facebook page always look for the core at tmc we want you to check that out and october 17th grant irvin chief resilience officer for the city of pittsburgh building a resilient city and then the next down to earth habitat for humanity celebrating world habitat day make it a great green day everybody and amy and jordan thank you this was delightful thank you